0: God doesn't change. We're not saying that God is static and God is paralyzed. We're saying that God is unchanging in his being
1: and in his character. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois.
0: Hi, welcome back to In Grace. This is Jim Scudder, and today we are back in our answer series, answering your Bible questions. The first one we're going to answer today I think is a really good question, and it's about a verse that a lot of people really have trouble with, and frankly, I'm included in that. There are a few Bible verses that really take a lot of thought and work to understand. So, the question is this. There's a verse that seems to talk about Baptism of the dead. What does it mean in the verses 1 Corinthians 15, 29. So we're going to examine that today. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to hide from any Bible verse. We're going to go forward and see if we can figure this one out. What is the baptism of the dead? Another question talks about does God ever change his mind? Is there an instance in the Bible where God changed his decision on a matter? Well, we do know that that happened. We're going to talk about that. Another question, Uh, somebody says, I was attacked with, your God cannot make up his mind. Write, then don't write. You know, some of the verses in the Bible that say that. What else in the Bible has your God sealed or withheld from you? So that was an attack one of our our people got. And so how do you answer that? The verse that we're talking about is in Revelation 10, 4, where it tells John to write, and then later he's told to not write, to seal up these things. So how do we understand it when the, the Scripture in one verse seems to contradict itself. Well, I'll tell you this, the Bible never contradicts itself, so there's some way to understand this, and we're going to be examining what that is here today. And a few other places in the Bible where it says, it seems to contradict it, like uh, it says, don't answer a fool, but then it says to answer a fool. Uh, So, there are places like that. We're just going to get into this and go through these questions and give you the best Bible answers that we can, and I think you'll Be blessed as we find out the answers to these Bible questions. Just before we go to this, don't forget, In Grace would like to invite you on our trip to Israel. Now, we don't think there's many seats left. We have 120 seats now available. We think we've got them almost all filled, and the trip isn't until February. So, but if you want to go and look at our Israel trip, it's February of 2024. Go to our website, ingraceradio.com, click on travel. We actually are starting to take deposits for a trip in February in 2025, so you might want to check that out while you're on our website. We are in a series called Answers, and the wonderful thing about the Word of God is it's shallow enough for a child to understand uh, some of the concepts, the important concepts. Just like the beach at the ocean, a child can play in the shallow water and enjoy, but there's depths that we still haven't explored, right? And so the Scripture is like that, uh, where there are depths and there are certain things that I'm going to stand before you and say, I don't know for sure. But... That should never negate the fact that we know eternal life, we know salvation, we know the basic things that God expects of us every day. So don't look at the Bible as some mystery book that we can't grasp and we can't understand. No, the Bible is something God has written for us and it is translated into our language and we can know God by knowing what he said in his word. So that's the premise that we're starting with today and we're going to get right into these questions. The person asked, uh, there's a verse that seems to talk about baptism of the dead. What does this verse mean? And that verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 29. This verse is used by some, namely the Mormons that believe that you can be baptized for someone that has died. And their baptism is essential for salvation. Mormonism is a works-based religion. It is not Christianity because they've gone outside of scripture, they deny the deity of Jesus, and therefore it is not within Orthodox Christianity. But that's why they're so into ancestry. And you all have seen that, it's morphed into a real business, hasn't it? And getting your DNA and looking at your ancestry, and that is fascinating. But they do it for a reason, they do it so that they can be baptized for someone else. A good Mormon can be baptized for someone that has died, therefore helping them obtain eternal life. That is 100% not biblical. 100% not biblical. It's found nowhere in the Bible, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. 1 Corinthians 15, 29, though, is a very interesting verse, and it is confusing. It says, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? So initially, the basic face meaning of this verse is proxy baptism. Okay, so what does this mean? Well, again, Scripture does not support proxy baptism anywhere. Vicarious baptism is not in the Bible anywhere. We also have to make sure that we define baptism. Water baptism is not a way of salvation. There's plenty of people that think it is. It is not. The Bible does not say you have to be water baptized to be saved. As a matter of fact, there's a verse that proves this without a shadow of a doubt And that is Luke 23, in verses 42 and 43. Jesus is on the cross. There are two that are on the cross with him. They deserve death. He doesn't. One of them mocks Jesus, and the other one says unto the Lord Jesus, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So we see this malefactor, this thief on the cross, as we call him, sees Jesus for who he is, the Son of God, And he says, remember me. So he has his faith in Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So what this continues to say is that they took the thief off the cross before he died and they baptized him. And then he died and he went to heaven. No, it doesn't say that. See, if you knew your Bible, you knew that I was not speaking truth just now. I did that for a reason. Don't remove me from the pastorate. I did it for a reason, and that is so you know your Bible. There are plenty of churches that teach only the priests, only the higher-ups can understand the Scriptures. That's not true. The person in the pew can understand the Scriptures. If you study it, if you read it, most people don't read it. They don't know. And there are plenty of churches that don't teach the Bible either. So we believe the Bible is true. We believe it is 100% authoritative. We believe that that man on the cross, when Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise, we believe that as he died from crucifixion, just as Jesus did, his death was a lot different. His death was a normal human death. It was death by execution for deserved sin. But he was a sinner. He deserved hell because he put his trust in Christ Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. No time to get off the cross and be baptized. Water baptism does not save you. What is water baptism? It is a testimony to the world of your faith, which is an internal thing. You can't see someone's faith, so we say, I want to identify with Jesus in his death and resurrection, water baptism. So baptism does not save. Proxy baptism is not in the Bible, and if it were, it's not for salvation, So no matter what, the Mormons are wrong, really, really wrong on this. So we know what it doesn't mean, and sometimes when we come at Scripture, we have to start there. We have to eliminate some of the possibilities. We know what it doesn't mean. So what does it mean? Well, in the context, and remember, if you're confused by the Bible, one of the most important rules of hermeneutics, which is a method of interpretation, okay, it's not that complicated, one of the biggest rules in hermeneutics is context. So if you don't understand a verse, read a few verses before and a few verses after. In this case, what do we have? We have the theme of resurrection, right? The whole passage here is talking about resurrection. There were plenty of errors in Corinth. One of them was there were people teaching that there was no resurrection of the dead. And Paul says if there's no resurrection of the dead, we have nothing, That means Jesus didn't rise from the dead. That means we won't rise from the dead. That means we have no faith. There's nothing. We are all most miserable if there's no resurrection. We might as well just live our lives any way we want to because we're going to die and there's no resurrection. The resurrection is the cornerstone of Christianity. It is the most important part of Christianity. You remove that, you remove everything. So that's the context of 1 Corinthians 15. So then... This has to do with that, right? It has to be part of his argument against people teaching there is no resurrection. As a matter of fact, it says it right here. So what does this mean? Well, there's two interpretations that I would lean toward on this verse. Again, if there's 200 interpretations, I'm not saying I've got this figured out, but there's two that make sense to me, and I'm going to lean toward the latter interpretation. So here's the two. The first one is that, There was such a thing as proxy baptism, not for salvation, because I think if they were being baptized so that someone else could be saved, someone that had died and your mom or dad died and they weren't in the faith and they weren't baptized, so you can be baptized in their place, they weren't saying, if this is proxy baptism, they weren't saying that that baptism was for salvation. They're saying that they didn't receive a spiritual blessing, so they're gonna be baptized in their place. And it could be. Paul didn't ever say it was wrong, so if it were that this is proxy baptism, baptism for the dead, it definitely wasn't baptism for salvation. So therefore, I'd lean toward a second explanation, and that is this. Remember, this was a time of intense persecution. So the explanation here is something like this. There was always another person getting saved right after that person was being executed, So there was always one replacing one that had died, and they were being baptized, a biblical baptism for not salvation, but for service. So that's how I think we can understand it. Again, it's a little mysterious, and uh, whoever chose that question chose one of the better ones in the Bible. But again, it doesn't mean being baptized for someone else's salvation who has died. For sure, it doesn't mean that. The next question, actually two questions are very similar. I'm going to answer them together. And that is: Does God ever change His mind? How many times do you change your mind? How many times does your wife change her mind? Have you ever asked her where you want to go for dinner, and she'll say, "Doesn't matter, I don't care," and then you say, "Well, how about Mexican?" Now, think of all the times that we change our mind every day. It's unbelievable, it really is. It's unbelievable.
1: Your kids and grandkids are being bombarded by evolution and humanism. Equip them with resources that will help them not only survive, but thrive. As a thank you for your gift of any amount this week, Jim Scudder will send you an action-packed dinosaur adventure called Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. When your gift is $35 or more, you will receive two more exciting video adventures. Irrefutable Creation Evidence, a behind-the-scenes tour of Carl Baugh's fascinating Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas, and Origins, Creation or Evolution, a walk through the incredible Institute for Creation Research Discovery Center with Frank Sherwin. To make an investment in grace, call now, 800-78-GRACE. Go to ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace. Again, that's 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Does
0: God ever change his mind? Is there an instance in the Bible where God did change his decision on a matter? And then another question, another person asked a similar question. Uh, He said that there was a person that brought up Revelation 10.4, and that verse tells us that John was about to write, and then God said, don't write this part. Okay, so that person said, your God cannot make up his mind, write, then don't write. What else in the Bible has your God withheld from you? And the person said, I don't understand the context enough to defend. Please supply me with a verse or passage to defend this attack. Again, the reference was to Revelation chapter 10, verse 4, when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. We don't know why God sealed up that part, that portion. This is funny because I don't see this as a verse that teaches God changes his mind. And there's other verses I would have pulled, not this one. This one is just God isn't going to reveal this part to you for some reason. I don't know why. And that's the wonderful thing about serving God who is immutable. I don't need to know why. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he, he is morally not going to change. He is ethically not going to change. He is always going to be good. He is never going to lie. That's what we're saying when we're saying God is immutable. He doesn't change. Now, there are some verses... That would seem to imply that God changes his mind. So let's look at one, Genesis 6.6, 6, and there's others that use a similar word, and that is when man was, you know, we were created in the image of God, and we basically had everything we would ever want. Everything was really great, and there's one thing we were not allowed to do, and that's touch this one tree, eat of this one tree, but you know what we did? We ate of that one tree. Man has fallen. The world has grown wicked. The first murder... I mean, it's just on and on. And God, the Bible says, repented. God repented. It says, the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. Does this mean that God made a mistake? Does this mean that God, man, that was plan A, and man, I didn't see that one coming. I thought they were just gonna always obey. Do you think that's what happened? You think God was surprised by sin? So this is where it gets challenging, Right? God knew before the creation that we were gonna sin. The Bible is clear on that. The plan of salvation was already in place before sin. Does that mean God caused sin? No, God gave us free will. You can't force someone to love you. If you force someone to love you, then it's not love. Love has to be willing, it has to be your choice. So God said, okay, I'm gonna give you a choice. And we chose against him, we chose to rebel. You say, why are you saying we? I wasn't there. You were because your ancestor Adam was there, and so he's passed on this guilt to you that's called the sin nature. We all have it. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And you say, well, I don't have a sin nature. Well, guess what? You do, and what proves that is you sin. Is there anyone in this room, do not raise your hand, (laughs) that has never sinned? (laughs) I saw a hand go up. (laughs) But that's a lie, because... (laughs) Lines of sin, and we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So there had to be a rescue plan, and why create man if he knew we were gonna sin, and then all this sin and death and cancer and horrible things have happened, wars and you know just torture and different things that have happened? Why do all that? Why allow all this to happen? I don't know all the answers, but I'm just gonna tell you one thing for sure. For me, I'm glad he did because I'm here. And if he said, well, I'm not going to take the chance. I think they're going to rebel. I know they're going to rebel. I'm just not going to do it. Then you wouldn't exist. So the fact that he did, and the fact that we can experience him and know him and be loved by him and love him back and receive by faith his grace and mercy, it's God showcasing to the universe how good he is. Yeah, and a lot of bad things happen, but don't blame God for those things. He loves you. Jesus died for you, the son of God, in your place. And so it's a little bit hard to understand, but God wasn't surprised by sin. And here, God isn't saying, man, I shouldn't have created man. This word repent, you have to understand it within context. One word can have several meanings, especially the Old English word repent. This word can mean to change your mind, but it also has other meanings, and I think another meaning here would fit as well, and that is grieve or to sigh. So God was grieved, and it actually says that, it grieved him in his heart. So this wasn't God saying, I really blew it, plan A didn't work, I'm gonna go to plan B. God doesn't need a plan B. Plan A is always right, okay? So when we say God changes his mind, we have to understand what we're saying when we say that, okay, because God is a spirit. Sometimes the Bible ascribes to God characteristics that humans have, like the arm of God. But that doesn't mean that God has an arm. The Bible is describing God in a way that humans can understand and relate to. So changing his mind, here's what you have to realize. James 1:17 tells us that there is no variableness, there is no shadow of turning. Psalm 102, and we could give you scripture after scripture after scripture of God's immutability. But it says, Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the, what does it say? The same. Thy years shall have no end. God doesn't change. We're not saying that God is static and God is paralyzed. We're saying that God is unchanging in his being and in his character. He is always gonna be good. He's not gonna be immoral. He's not gonna lie. Here's something he cannot do because of his mutability. God cannot say one day, you're forgiven of your sins if you'll believe in the Lord Jesus who died for your sins on the cross. And they will say, okay, I'll accept that. And then tomorrow he says, You know what? I changed my mind. I said yesterday, I'm going to forgive you today. I'm not going to forgive you. You're going to hell. He can't do that. That's immutability. That's where God cannot change his character. He cannot change his morality. It's going to be the same. Now, will God do something different sometimes than he was going to do? Yes. And because a lot of the times God's, let's say, blessings or punishment are conditional. And he states that. Here's an example. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and warn the people of destruction. Jonah decided to go the wrong way, the whole belly of the great fish, and so on and so forth. But once Jonah got on his way to Nineveh, he tells the Ninevites, there's judgment coming. What did the Ninevites do? They surprised Jonah. Jonah wanted them to get destroyed. (laughs) By the way, that's not a good attitude, is it? That's how sometimes we are. So let's read it, Jonah 3, 4. Jonah began to enter into a city a day's journey, and he cried and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So this is what God had given him, the message of warning to Nineveh. So this is what surprised Jonah. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. They responded to God. They did what God said. The condition was, if you don't repent, I will destroy you as a city. And they repented. So people will use this verse and say, see, God changed his mind. No, it was a conditional punishment. If God had destroyed Nineveh, even when they repented, he would have changed his mind. Because he said, if they do, I'll do this. If they don't, I'll do this. And it's not God changing his mind. This is God not being static. This is God living in our world, which is dynamic. God doesn't change But sometimes the punishments or the blessings may change based on how we respond. God showed his unchanging holiness when he had mercy on Nineveh. This change of mind, as we might call it, is consistent with his character and his holiness, and that never wavered, right? So sometimes when we say God changes mind, it's called anthropomorphism. It's this idea that, We ascribe to God, or God ascribes to God, human characteristics, like changing his mind. That's how we can understand it better. Here's an example. You know what happened? God, in essence, changed his mind when it comes to you. In John 1.12, it says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Before you received him by faith, by trusting Jesus Christ, even to them that believe on his name, if you trusted in him... Before that, you were an enemy of God. You were a child of the devil. That's what the Bible says. Now, he's changed his mind about you. Now you're a son of God. Isn't that wonderful? That in this case, it's not God is changing, but God now thinks of us differently because of our reaction to an offer that he made to us. Do you all understand that? Aren't you glad in this instance that God looks at us as his children, as his sons? and it's a wonderful thing, but his character, his being never, ever will or can change. It's wonderful to know that there are answers in the Bible if there's a verse that confuses you or a passage. Generally, all we need to do is go back and look at the context or look at some other passages. Scripture interprets Scripture. And so I think we've done that today. And hopefully you have a better understanding of God and his word. And we're going to talk more tomorrow. One person asked, What does God say about gambling? So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Another question tomorrow is, what does the Bible say about modesty? And so we're going to talk about modesty for men and women and you know, what does God expect for us? So we're going to talk about these things and more next week on In Grace. But the most important thing is Jesus is God. He died for your sins on the cross and rose again. If you'll trust him, you'll be saved from your sins, and then we can grow in Christ. We would love to get you some great resources that will help you grow in Christ. One is a video series called Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. This is my way of thanking you when you give to In Grace this month. If your gift is $35 or more, I'll send you two more exciting creation adventures.
1: As a thank you for your gift of any amount this week, Jim Scudder will send you an action-packed dinosaur adventure called Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. When your gift is $35 or more, you will receive two more exciting video adventures, irrefutable creation evidence, and origins. Creation or evolution. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Go to ingraceradio.com or P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.